Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Welcome to the Sermon Talk Back. I'm joined by Jordan Coughlin and the Tom, Thomas Nelson. Hmm. Guys, thanks for thanks for joining us. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm glad to be here too. So I gotta I gotta start with a joke. So there was once a wedding. And uh on the cake, uh the bride or whoever wanted written first John four eighteen. Y'all know this? No. First John 14. You know, first John 14 says there's no fear in love, right? It's a good thing to have written on a cake. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Okay. First John 4.18. But the cake maker messed up. And instead of putting first John 4.18, just put John 4.18, which says. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Uh, I think I think that's a that's joke, classic. but maybe it's a good maybe it's a true story. Uh, can you uh, imagine? It's probably just a good church joke. Hey, it's a good church it, joke. It is a good church joke. That's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you want to have on your wedding cake. There's no fear in love. That's what they wanted to say. Something so nice, but. Mm. <laughs> so yesterday, though, we weren't in First John. We were in just regular John. And John, of course, um, recounts this really, um, you know, at the end of John's gospel, he says, there's many other things that Jesus did. If we were to write mm-hmm. them all down, we wouldn't have all the space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of one of those, like, I'm glad he, glad he made some space for this one. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. Um, of what happened with Jesus and a woman at a well in Samaria. Um, so yeah, first, what are your impressions, Jordan? Well, I love that we're going through John. I love that we're going through John slowly, you know, in, in little digestible chunks. And uh, I just, I appreciated your taking the time to walk through uh, thirst, the idea, idea of thirst. And, you know, for me, as I sat there listening yesterday, was just convicted of, of what you were talking about, how we tend to find, try to find satisfaction in other things. And, and there is a, that desire for other things to satisfy us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even in, even in thinking through good things in my life, like we're, we want to try to buy a house in the next year. Um, but looking to that as, oh, this will, this will satisfy me. Yeah, this, oh, this, this will be the thing. And, and, you know, just you're pointing our attention to we're in some ways doing the same thing this woman, her misunderstanding, you know, looking to the practical, looking to the tangible. Oh, this man will give me water so I don't have to go to this well rather than seeing Jesus as so much, something so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and again, I think that there are, I mean, I think one of the reasons actually that God gives us regular physical appetites 
is to be uh, a metaphor for us to our regular spiritual appetites. Like mm. we need to be drinking the word of the Lord. We need to be feasting on the truth of God. We, we need to be breathing in, uh, you know, almost as <laughs> in a sense, in a, in a sense, like pray continually can almost mean like as often as you're breathing, mm. be conscious, be, be conscious, be aware of God's presence, be, be aware of who the Lord is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Thomas? Any impressions? Yeah, you know, I really liked how you walk through the, the storyline of the lady and uh, kind of put yourself in her shoes, how the day would have started and why she was at the well when she was at the well versus being with those other women. Uh, it just made things very relatable. And she had that that moment where the, the verse we joked about uh, she had that moment where she was honestly encountered by Jesus who knew everything about it. That just, it struck me yesterday. It strikes me almost every time I hear this story, just that, that raw encounter. And I thought it was really good. Just again, how she kind of came to life. I kind of found myself walking in her shoes as you were telling that. Yeah. The, it, this wasn't, uh, I mean, one day we're going to be able to meet this lady. You know, this isn't a story yeah. that Jesus told. There was once, you know, like the prodigal son, right? Yeah. That could be a true story that Jesus had heard or something like that. But it's likely a parable. It's it's likely something that he made up to kind of explain something, right? Uh, but this is not a parable. It's not like Jesus said there was once a woman at a well. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is Jesus actually interacting with a real human being uh, that really had a story, that really had a life. And so... Um, I think you're right. I think how, when is the moment where you start really interacting with Christ? And, and you know, we, we often say like a, a relationship with God begins with repentance and faith. I mean, there, there is that moment of repentance or kind of owning who you are before God. I mean, and repentance really is just that. It, mm-hmm. It's I think it's less about like listing out your particular sins and saying, I'm sorry for these though. It it's, it's not, it is, it, it is that, but it's so much more than that. Right. It's, it's more like Isaiah when he sees the seraphim around the throne of God. Right. Mm-hmm. It's more like I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of only, you know, you know, it's, I am undone. Right. Right. To me, that is more repentance. It's, it's more when you, get an impression of who God is, of how great he is, and um, and how much what you have done against him um, is wrong. Uh, you know, you, you know, you know, Jordan's a dad, you know, with your kids, when they're just acting like they're sorry for something, because they're conscious of like, this was wrong, I shouldn't have done it. And when they're really repentant, when they, they really have been actually hurt, broken by their disobedience or because of something they did to their sister or something that they did to their brother or something they did to me. Okay. I, I, I'm not just afraid of the consequences. It's not that I've just been caught here. What I did was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, what I was trusting in here was wrong. What I've been pursuing is wrong and God is holy and he is righteous and I am undone. And so, yes, but when that starts to happen, and as you say, like, you know, we don't see that kind of I am undone moment from this woman, but Jesus kind of calls her to account. Yeah. And 
And then she kind of says, okay, I'm dealing with someone here. Mm -hmm. You're a prophet. And that's when the conversation really gets spiritual and really where she starts wanting to see who Jesus is, wanting to understand, okay, what, what, who is this guy? So, yeah. Yeah. I was reminded of the rich young ruler, just talking about what you, you just referenced, how in order for us to actually receive and understand and experience grace, we have to understand what is keeping us from That's grace, right? Mm -hmm. right? And, and our, our tendency, our temptation to self-justify ourselves. I do not want to admit the deep, dark, you know, secrets and thoughts and rebellious ways that, that are me, right? Mm -hmm. Like that it's the reality of who I am. And, and Jesus, you know, rich young ruler, this passage, he points to those things, not to condemn them, right? He doesn't tell the rich young ruler, you know, go sell all this. Yeah. Yeah. He tells the Samaritan woman, you need to understand your brokenness so that you can receive the yeah. gift of the living water. Yes. And that, that is part of, you know, I tend to, when I see my sin and the hideousness of my sin, I want to hide, I want to minimize. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it's just a, such a helpful That's reminder. Good. Like Jesus reveals that to me so that I can receive more grace. Right. I was just yeah. talking to my son about this the other day. Like you, we have to come to grips with the depths of our depravity so that, the, the glory and goodness of God's grace can can really be great. And, mm. and, and if you exchange depravity for more righteousness, it'll lead you to anxiety, to fear, to more pride. But if you exchange, you know, depravity for actual grace, I, I really believe that in this moment, in my worst moment, not now I have to do this and this and this to get back up. Right. But in this moment, I am deeply and fully loved by God. Yeah. That mm -hmm. will change your heart. Yeah. But I, I love what you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, and it, I've said before, you know, grace is a great stumbling block to Christianity mm -hmm. um, because people don't want to get to the place where they need grace. On the other side of the coin, Christianity can be a great stumbling block to grace, right? Right. Hmm. We can find our... Uh, identity in being a Christian or in, I would like to say is it's an identity in Christianity and not an identity in Christ. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's interesting. A woman came up to me at the end of the service yesterday and, you know, she was probably a woman. I know this is getting, uh, I shouldn't do this, but you know, she was, <laughs> you know, I would say 50 or above. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, she says, I've been a Christian my entire life, hmm. you know, and maybe she, hadn't really been a Christian, but she, you know, she said, I've been a Christian, but it was only in the past two years that I've really felt free in Christ. Hmm. And, um, and it was just this beautiful moment. And I think it was what you're talking about. It, it was only, you know, the last two years that she quit trying to kind of minimize, hide her sin. And she actually just, you know, wholly leaned on Jesus name, hmm. you know, and, um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's where Christianity actually becomes freeing and liberating. And, where Christians can be, as I kind of saying at the end there, why why can Christians be full of compassion and, and courage? It's because we believe we're so loved in Christ. It's yeah. because we believe that we've been so loved by God. It's because we've actually received this kind of grace. And yeah, and for whatever reason, you know, she tries to turn the conversation to the topic of worship. You know, I think highlighted there is exactly what you're talking about. She wanted to 
talk about the form of worship. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. What what can I do? Where can I worship? And and Jesus says, no, it's actually how you worship. Right. Yes. It's, it's that you need the spirit of God and he is seeking people to bring them into worship in spirit and truth. And so, mm. it's you know, again, it's just this powerful thing. But how often do I do that? Right. I try to go to the form. What do I have to do? If I can do this, then I somehow achieve. Am I doing it in the right place? Yeah. Am I doing it the right way? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and yes, Jordan. And, and that's, that's the kind of the part of the sermon that I really kind of left off yesterday. Um, and so I'm glad we're getting it to now. Yes. What was her main concern in worship? It wasn't who she was worshiping. It was where she was worshiping, you know, or you could say kind of how she was worshiping. Um, um, am I worshiping on the right mountain? Are you worshiping on the right mountain? But yeah, but where Jesus goes is he says, look, you know, God is actually seeking worshipers for himself and he's seeking those worshipers by, by the ones he's calling to himself in grace. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and that could be Samaritan, that could be Jew, that could be anybody. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So one of the questions I had for you, um, is, you know, you, you said like this passage is full of content. Uh, I've heard this passage preached many times. I've preached on this passage. Um, and so you you made a decision to spend an, a good amount of time talking about wells right? yeah. and the, the reality of this woman's mm-hmm. situation and kind of highlighting the, the practical consideration. So I'm curious why you did that. And then two, kind of what you what you left out. Right. You, you only have 40 minutes. Right. Preaching is a challenge. To decide and, how, you know, how what you're going to fit in. Maybe I didn't do it right, right? You're always kind of second guess yourself. You know, it was like, should I have done that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think what I was just saying though, like, if God is seeking worshipers to Him for Himself, and it's not based on our family or pedigree or church attendance or where we've worshipped in the past, um, and that's highlighted in this story, God was seeking her as a worshiper, yeah. mm-hmm. even though she was just a Samaritan woman. And uh, what can God do at a well? Um, here, there, it's not like she's in Jerusalem. She's not at the temple. She just is, you know. And, and I was what I was saying earlier to you guys before we went on the podcast is I really tried to kind of imagine her, and that's where I came up with the whole like Fontaine and you know Les Mis deal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's totally accurate, but I do love Anne Hathaway's. Uh, <laughs> actually, one of our groups last night, I'll give them a shout out. The Midtown group went and watched the uh the rendition of i dreamed the dream oh, man. now they watched it from they they kind of sent me a video of them watching it they watched it from like one of the broadway things which in total i love the broadway rendition of les mis um but but anne hathaway's in particular rendition of i dreamed the dream is the best i've seen it's powerful yeah. it is so if you have not seen it I don't even say, I would even say like, if you've seen Les Mis in Broadway, don't even, don't even worry about watching the whole movie. Just watch the Anne Hathaway, I dreamed a dream. It is so, so well done. And anyway, I just kind of identified this with this woman. So here's this lonely woman. She's dealing with great anxiety, great stress, great pain. She gets up every day. She walks with this heavy jar. Um, She gets out there to the well. It's just like any other day. And that's the day that God was seeking her and that she became a worshiper and that she became, you know, a Christian. She, she met Jesus and, uh, and obviously God used her. I mean, we, we didn't get to this. We're getting this this week, but she changed her whole town. Yeah. 
And um, and then I told the story of uh, I called him Ben, um, but man, this guy that God is using, and, and that's happening all over the world. Now you know, look for me again. I'm I'm not a good example of this story, right? I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, you know, I've got all this like Christian pedigree. I went to seminary. You know, Jordan's you know a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. Thomas, you grew up in Nelson Price's church, so like none of us are That's good. Right. I mean, yeah, I That's mean, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of us are good candidates here. But but I see God doing this all the time, and 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 praise God. You know, God also moves on people's lives in the church house. You know, That's but, right. How powerful mercy precedes worship. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and God has to show us mercy in order for us to do the very thing that he's called us to do that we were That's born good. to do. And yet, you know, our sin and our rebellion keeps us from actually worshiping God like that. I, even in thinking about it right now, like I'm I'm just affected by that. And yeah, yeah, I grew up a preacher's kid, but gosh, I need God's mercy. And the fact that he's seeking me and calling me and inviting me to worship him like what grace. Mm. Yes. Yes. And sometimes, again, I said, Christianity can be a stumbling block to grace. Like it's harder actually to see the mercy or grace of God as a preacher's kid. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to ask you, you know, you're a worship guy. What about spirit and in truth? God is seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth hmm. kind of interact with, I mean, people have used that. Yep. Let's worship the Lord. People talk about that. Um, you know, I've heard people say, ah, oh, you know, God wants us to be excited in worship, but he wants us to sing true songs. And so, I mean, like, you know, what, what, how do we need to understand that? It seems like this powerful idea that people have taken and run with. Um, how should I think about those two kind of ideas? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I think it's interesting how he highlights spirit and the importance of spirit, right? And, and the fact that, you know, just a chapter before you had Nicodemus, who couldn't couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about about being born again, and so he he literally asked Jesus the question like, "Do I have to be born again physically?" Right? He just he couldn't understand it. Then you have the Samaritan woman again, not able to understand, and so she goes to the practical. All right, okay, great, give me some this living water that you're going to come up with. Um, and I think like at least part of the spirit is God enlivening our worship, right? We have to worship with the spirit. The spirit of God gives me the ability to, to actually worship him rightly, to understand. And I think it's, it's applicable for Christians in that Christians can do all the right things. We can quote unquote worship in the right way, in the right form. But if we don't have the spirit of God helping us worship, it's, it's fruitless, right? Right. It's futile. Um, and then I think truth, you know, it, Jesus says later on in John, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I think we have to go back. How, how are we worshiping in truth? I think it's at least in part, we have to understand the revelation of God to us. The truth that God gives us is, is Jesus. And so we are worshiping in spirit, you know, because of the spirit of God and in truth, we are seeking to exalt and magnify and understand Jesus and all that he is and all that he he does for us. So I think that's that's at least in part what he's what he's talking. about. Yes. Don't you see it a little bit like the kind of the who, what, how? It seems like she was focused on the how, like, well, how? Where, where do I go? How do I get there? Are we on the right mountain or is Jerusalem the right mountain? The 
she was looking at all these hows to kind of justify herself, yeah. which is what we, we've been talking about. And Jesus is going back to the who. The, the, we need to worship in spirit. Who? Well, I'm going to worship God, the true God in spirit. Then we're going to get to the to the what and the how, which is the truth part, the more the specifics and the mechanics, because they do matter. Mm-hmm. But it seems like she had it all backwards. Like, well, if I, if I do the right things, if I'm in the right mountain and then she's like, you know, well, one day Jesus will get here. Messiah will get here and he'll he'll tell us all things. And that's kind of how we rounded out yeah. the section yesterday. And he's going to throw another trump card in and say, no, I'm I'm, I'm actually the guy. I'm him. <laughs> I'm the well, guy. And so that that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the kind of what I would call like an impractical understanding of Messiah. So this woman did believe in Messiah. Yeah. This woman that's been married five times, but it wasn't present. You know, it wasn't a present belief. Mm-hmm. Um, one day he's coming um, and he'll help us out, but it, it wasn't impacting her day-to-day life. I mean, she's married five times. She's with a man that's not her husband. She's obviously not living in accordance with anything she's read, you know, in scripture. Hmm. And, and I think that, I think that's, you know, a word that I'd like to give is how many, how many folks are living that way with kind of this distant belief in God? I believe that God's out there. I believe that Jesus is somebody but it impacts their day-to-day or hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute life in a very meaningless kind of way. Mm. And, um, and I would say that's where she was, mm. you know, mm-hmm. a Christian that wasn't a Christian, you know, uh, you know, a Samaritan that wasn't really a Hebrew, you know, and, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that. Uh, yeah. I know that I'm preaching to some people like that. You know, this has become, this is a form of, that you live by. And, and I am grateful for the form, yeah. right? Uh, I'd rather have the form of the Judeo-Christian value system or whatever you want to call it than a formless secularism. Yeah, right. But that's not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. No, and I think that's the, narr- the common narrative. A lot of folks would, if, if we were like in a Middle Eastern country and our religion was stamped on our driver's right. license, right. Most of us would say, yeah, stamp, stamp Jesus on there, stamp Christian on there. But I don't look at my driver's license all day long. It stays in my wallet, stays in my car. You know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. But yeah, that's me. Of course that's me. And I think, I think she was exactly in that spot. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, 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 and when I say the moment at the well, this could be a thousand different moments. But have you had the moment at the well, right? Have you, have you had an encounter with the living God? Have you, have you really met Jesus? And are you meeting Jesus, right? I mean, I can think of moments where Jesus was very present and palatable to me. But like I say, I can just think of like all the time Jesus is very present and palatable to me. I mean, even like right now, in a sense, Mm. uh, the reality of Jesus in my life and his words speaking to me, even this conversation, Jesus is becoming very present and palatable to me. Uh, This isn't just a form that I live by. This is, as you say, there's a there's a who involved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one that has the living water because he leads me back into, he leads me into true worship. He leads me to align my life with the living God. And I, I, I think, you know, as you say that, I'm asking the question, okay, why, why maybe am I not as aware of that as I should be? And I think the great distraction goes back to what we were talking about earlier about thirst. Like there are endless supplies of other waters yes. that distract me from even realizing, wow, I have 
I have this living water in me, right? Like that, that God, God is with me and he's working in me and he's speaking to me and I can get so distracted by other things, news media, social media, pol- politics, mm-hmm. uh, the cares of life. And, and even um, like, here's what I was, I was talking to a guy yesterday. He does kind of like Paw Kids. Uh, it's like inner city, you know, community restoration ministry, but it's truly Christian. It's truly, you know, an evangelical, um, you know, urban renewal kind of deal. Super awesome. We had a great time together. And, you know, we were just talking about he can find his identity in his work. Mm-hmm. I can find my identity in my work. Mm-hmm. Being a pastor as good as it is, divorced from Christ is a dry well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and and if I'm not in Christ, and this is a good word to all of us, right? If I'm not in Christ, you know, as long as the ministry's growing or people are saying nice things to us or we're being affirmed by outsiders, we can feel like we're drinking, you mm-hmm. know? But if the ministry starts to shrink a little bit or if, you know, people don't like your song, Jordan, or if, you know, people think my sermon is lousy or somebody gets upset about this or something, then all of a sudden, you know, my well gets tr- really dry, really, really fast. Yeah. And and I think that could just be a lesson. And, 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 and this is just everybody's just got wells like that. Like, yeah, you're sure. Saying. Yeah. Um, but do you have the living water mm. that really won't run dry? And of course, look, I'm not saying that, you know, if somebody says your sermon stinks, Thomas, like, of course, that's going to upset you. I'm not saying that 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 Christians are emotionless. Um, but what is your dry? What is, what is your source? What is, mm-hmm. what is, what is really, where is your life? Right. Where is your worship? Is your worship a growing church? Is your worship a successful ministry? Is your worship writing the next coolest song? Mm-hmm. Or is your worship uh, the living God who's invited you into himself um, and has made that possible for us in Jesus? Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great point. Where is my worship? Man. Yeah. It's not on this mountain or that mountain, mm-hmm. right? It's in spirit. It's by the spirit of God, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's in truth. Yeah. So That's a lot good. more we could say. There's so much to this passage, but we got to go. So for Thomas Nelson and Jordan Coughlin, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.